Well, please turn with me now to the Old Testament again, but this time to the book of Exodus and chapter 20. Exodus chapter 20 on page 73 in the Church Bible. And we're going to read just the first three verses of this chapter. Exodus 20, verses 1 to 3. And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall have no other gods before me. That is our subject this morning, the first commandment. And it immediately raises perhaps a question in our minds. You shall have no other gods before me. Well, what other gods are there? And the answer to that question, of course, obviously, is that there are none. There are no other gods at all. The Bible is very clear about that. 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 4 says, We know that an idol is nothing at all in the world, and there is no God but one. In fact, the word in Hebrew for idol means a nothing, a, a vanity, an emptiness. And that's something that's emphasized again and again and again all through the Bible. There are no other gods. There is only one, the true and living God, the Lord. The gods of the nations are not real. Well, then what's the point of this commandment? If there are no other gods, then why bother telling us not to have them? And the problem, of course, is that we act as though there are other gods. We serve other things as if they are gods. We give our service and our love and our worship and our energy to things uh, that are not gods, these things that we ought to be giving to the only true God. We give it to the gods of our invention. It's what Paul talks about in Romans 1 Verse 25, they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshipped and served created things rather than the Creator who is forever praised. When anything usurps the first place in our lives and hearts, the place that belongs to God alone, we have broken the first commandment. Jesus' summary we thought about with the children of uh, not just this commandment, but all the commandments. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. But we love other things more than God. We make other things, not necessarily bad things, but we make other things into ultimate things. As one writer puts it, we make even good things into God things. 
We give them a place that belongs only to God. We serve them. We devote ourselves to them. We give our energy. We give our time. We give our thought. We give our money to these things. We rely on them. We put our trust in them. We live for them. And when we do that, we're having God's other gods before the Lord. You shall have no other gods before me. Well, I want us to think about this commandment this morning uh, under two main headings. Uh, The first one we'll spend most of our time on. Uh, The first one is the question, what other gods do people worship? What other gods do people worship? And I want to suggest four. There are many, many other gods that people worship. Many things that people put in that first place that belongs to the Lord alone. But here are four common gods that people worship today. The first one is Artemis. Artemis. Now, they're not usually using that term. They don't use that name. But Artemis was the goddess of wealth in Greek mythology. And many, many, many people in the world today worship Artemis. They worship wealth. They have made a god out of money. They love it. They love it with a religious adoration. It is the central thing, the most important thing in their life. Their world revolves around it. They're always thinking about money. They're always talking about money. They're always researching into more ways of increasing their wealth and getting more and more money. They trust in it. They put their trust, they put their faith in their money. I don't need to worry about illness because my money will save me. I can pay for the very best treatment, the very best therapies, the very best doctors. I don't need to worry about any disaster touching me because I'm protected by this goddess, Artemis, the goddess of wealth. I'm safe. I'm secure. They make sacrifices to this goddess every day. People sacrifice their marriage. They sacrifice their children. They sacrifice their peace of mind. They sacrifice their leisure time. They sacrifice their health. They sacrifice the Sabbath day on the altar of Artemis because it's all about making more money. If ever there's a conflict between making money and something else, money wins. How many mothers of young children are there who are locked into going out to work, not because they need the money, but because they want more money. They want the lifestyle that more money will give them. How many people are there who look to the goddess Artemis for guidance 
when it comes to decisions in life that need to be made, it's money that guides them. What job should I take? What career should I pursue? Well, which one will give you the most money? Obviously. That's all that matters. What course should I do at university? Well, which course is going to lead you down the path that will give you most money? It's all about the bottom line. And it doesn't matter if it's going to eat up all your free time so that you've nothing left over for the church or for your family or for serving other people. As long as you get plenty of money, then it's fine. It's worthwhile. There are people who literally do live for money so that when they lose their money, when their money is taken away from them, they kill themselves. They, they, they conclude that life is, is literally not worth living anymore. I would rather be dead than to live and be poor. Life has no meaning for them when you take away their money. This is a cruel cruel God. Your attitude to money is a good way of testing whether you're in danger of making Artemis a false God or not. Your attitude particularly to giving away money, how generous you are with your money, is a good test of whether you're in danger of breaking this first commandment. If you always find yourself making some excuse for not tithing, or for not giving generously on top of your tithe, then perhaps you're in danger of making a God out of money. The reason that God gives us money, money is a good thing, or, or at least it's a neutral thing that can be either a good thing or a very, very bad thing. And the reason that God gives us money, he entrusts us with money so that we will be good stewards of it. We're not meant to think of ourselves as owning, as possessing the money that we have. We are stewards of it. God entrusts it to us so that we can distribute it in a wise way, so that we can support the work of the church, first and foremost, so that we can send missionaries to more parts of the world, so that we can engage in mercy ministry to the poor and the needy, so that we can see new churches being plant, planted. We're not meant to worship money. We're not meant to hoard it. We're not meant to use it exclusively for ourselves. Now, maybe some of you boys and girls and, and teenagers, you think, well, this has nothing to do with me because I don't have any money. This is completely irrelevant. I don't need to listen to this bit. There's no danger at all of me making a god out of money. But even if you only have a tiny, tiny little bit of pocket money, a tiny little bit of savings, it's quite possible to be very, very greedy with that money. And it's important that you get into good habits now of giving generously that will last throughout your lives. Because if you can't give generously to God when you only have a few pounds of pocket money, what makes you think it's going to get any easier as you get older and God gives you more money? So you need to be training yourself now, even if you're just giving 10p a week, if that's your tithe. Uh, if you only get a pound a week pocket money or five pounds a week or 10 pounds a week, even if you're only giving a little bit of money to the Lord, 
That is a really good habit to get into so that you're just always used to doing that, giving generously your money. Train yourself. Parents, train your children by your example as well as by what you tell them. Show them that you don't love money and that they shouldn't love money either. So there's uh, one of the gods that is worshipped today, uh, Artemis. A second god, goddess, that is worshipped today is Aphrodite. Aphrodite, the Greek goddess of beauty. Now, beauty is a good thing. When God made Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, he made them beautiful. He made them attractive. He didn't make them ugly with humped backs and covered in warts and things like that. Beauty is God's invention. He designed human beings to be attractive. But again, we can take this good thing that God designed and we can make it into a God. We can make it all important. And that's what the Greeks did. They made a goddess of beauty and love, and they worshipped Aphrodite. And Aphrodite is still a very, very popular and very, very cruel god today. That's why we have young teenagers and even primary school children who are obsessed with their appearance. And no wonder, given how that is pushed by the world it seems to be a normal thing now uh, for primary school children, children of four and five and six, to go off for glamour parties where they have their nails painted and they get makeup and they have manicures and pedicures. It's the worship of Aphrodite, isn't it? It's teaching them right from the beginning that what you look like is all important. Adult-styled clothes that are being designed for children. Magazines that all feature on the front cover a flawless, impossibly thin female figure. And, and they are impossible. People don't really look like that. It's all computers. It's all makeup. And so people spend hours and hours and hours trying to make themselves look like someone that actually doesn't exist in real life. In fact, I was reading recently about something now called filter surgery. And this will be meaningless to a large portion of the congregation. But I think it's Snapchat and Instagram. When you take a picture of someone or of yourself, you can then put a filter over it, a beauty filter. Make yourself look more beautiful. You can have an enhanced image of yourself. And that's one thing, I suppose, but then uh, what we have now is this rise in filter surgery where people go to plastic surgeons and they show them the picture of themselves with the beauty filter and they say, this is what I want you to make me look like. They're trying to construct in reality this fantastic image of themselves, this thing that doesn't exist. I remember reading an article uh, in a newspaper uh, about um, a girl, uh, the reporter's niece, and she came home from school every single day of her life, and she spent hours when she came home from school, literally hours, 
trying on different outfits of clothes, spending ages with her makeup, not because she was going out to meet friends, but because she would then pose in the bathroom, getting the various mirrors in the bathroom angled so that she could get what she thought was the perfect picture of herself. And that's what she did every day. She would come home and she would dress up, put on her makeup, and spend hours trying to get this one perfect picture that she would then post on Instagram. And then she would watch the phone, watch the screen. Uh, she'd be glued to it for the rest of the night, looking to see how many likes, how many hearts she was getting. And if she got more than the night before, then she was happy. And if she got less, then she was inconsolable. What a cruel God Aphrodite is. How many people sacrifice to her? Record numbers of teenagers now with eating disorders because of their desire to please the goddess Aphrodite, who says, you must be a certain weight. You must look like this. And if you don't, then you're not worthy of my love. They won't wear clothes that don't have the right label because Aphrodite would be angry with them. The goddess of image has to be appeased. And it's not just girls, is it? Men are obsessed by image as well. Now, perhaps that manifests itself in, in boys uh, and, and even men who spend far too much time in front of the mirror trying to get their hair to look exactly the way that it should. They spend an inordinate amount of time on personal grooming. I'm all in favor of a moderate amount of time on personal grooming. That is important. Uh, but maybe uh, there are men who spend far too much time and take far too much of an interest in their appearance. But perhaps a greater temptation is that they make the appearance of women and girls the thing that is all-important. And they look down on girls. They despise girls who may be lovely, godly, humble Christians, full of the fruits of the Holy Spirit. They're mature, godly Christians. They're kind, but they just don't look right. And so they're passed over. They're not interested. They don't talk to them. They don't look near them. That's the worship of Aphrodite. It's a false god. Perhaps they look to Aphrodite for guidance. Who will I ask out? Who will I marry? And the one thing, the most important thing is, well, he must be good looking. She must be good looking. When the Bible says that that is one of the least important things. Proverbs 31.30, charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting. But a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. That's what the true God says. But that's not what Aphrodite says. Aphrodite says that charm and beauty is the main thing. That's the only thing that matters. And how many people listen to her instead? Artemis, Aphrodite. And then Athena. Athena, the goddess of wisdom and learning. She's worshipped a lot still today. Again, education is a good thing. But how many young people, and maybe perhaps even more, how many young people's parents 
make a God of wisdom and learning. They make it all important. Education is where they get their sense of worth and meaning. So that if you fail your exams, if you don't get back to do your AS levels or your A levels, or if you don't go to university, somehow you are a second-class citizen. Well, the true God doesn't care about results. He's not interested in A's and A stars and firsts and things like that. The true God is interested in your attitude to your work, how you work. Do you work hard or are you lazy? Do you do your best with the skills and the gifts that God has given to you? Do you do everything that you do for the glory of God? Because that's all that really matters. But for those who worship Athena, for those who idolize education, it's the results. That's the only thing that matters. How many people sacrifice themselves again for this goddess? They work themselves into the ground seven days a week. They'll stay up late to revise. They'll go without food, perhaps. They'll go without exercise because nothing is more important than your education. And they don't, these young people, they have no time to come to see why. They couldn't possibly think of going on a go team. They can't go to evening church because they have to study. Study. Athena must be appeased. Or perhaps they don't work on the Lord's Day unless they've got a big test or a big exam the next day. And then, then they show which God they really serve. The true God who says you don't work on the Sabbath day or Athena who says your education, your learning, your results, that's all that matters. If the true God and the false God are both saying different things, who do you listen to? Maybe you shouldn't go to university. Maybe that's a, a question that some of you younger people are thinking about at the minute. Maybe you shouldn't go to university. Don't let the, the worship of Athena by your peers pressure you into doing something that isn't right for you. If you don't really enjoy studying, if God hasn't given you that skill set and those gifts, then maybe that's not something that the Lord is calling you to do. Artemis, Aphrodite, Athena, and then lastly, Dionysus. Dionysus, the Greek god of pleasure. And Paul talks about people who worship pleasure uh, in 2 Timothy 3 verse 4, he talks about lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Or in Philippians 3.19, he talks about people whose God is their stomach. Now, pleasure, again, is a good thing. God invented pleasure. He designed the nerve endings in our bodies to respond positively, pleasurably, to particular kinds of stimuli. It was God who designed food to be delicious. It was his idea that we should take joy in watching a film or a play or listening to music. These are not necessarily bad things in themselves. But how many people make a God out of pleasure? 
They love pleasure more than God, and if they ever have to make a choice between God and pleasure, well, it's always pleasure that wins. And the fact is, and and maybe some of you teenagers and and younger people need to, to, to be reminded of this, many things that God calls us to do are not pleasurable. They are incredibly important, but they may not be pleasurable. They may not be a lot of fun sometimes. We live in a cursed world where our life is marred every day by thorns and thistles. And Jesus Christ calls us to deny ourselves and take up our cross daily. And sometimes, possibly quite often, that means denying ourselves pleasure. So if you're on your own with your boyfriend or your girlfriend and you know perfectly well that God, the true God, says that sex and everything that leads up to sexual intercourse is for the context of marriage only, but you care more about pleasure than about God, if Dionysus is your God rather than the true God, then you're going to be tempted strongly tempted to obey Dionysus, aren't you? To worship Dionysus rather than the Lord. I wonder, is it true for, and I'm not just thinking of young people now, is it true for you that you rarely make time to read the Bible and to pray? You find CY, you find church just all a bit dull, Is that because pleasure is too important to you? You've made a God out of pleasure. We get an instant hit of pleasure, don't we, when we watch television, a TV show that we're really, really addicted to, or playing a computer game that we really enjoy and we're really good at, or surfing the internet or social media or playing sport. These are the things that give us an instant hit of pleasure. And so these are the things that we give ourselves to. These are the things that we're interested in. These are the things that we're excited about. And so we choose these things rather than the things that God tells us to give ourselves to that don't give us the same instant hit of pleasure. We look to Dionysus for guidance. Should I go to church tonight? Well, I just don't really get much out of it. It's not really very much fun, is it? It's not exciting. There are other things that I really, really enjoy doing more. So I think that's what I'll do instead. Should I help my parents with these chores? Should I take time to play with my little brother or sister? No, I don't really like doing that. I don't enjoy those things. There's no pleasure. There's nothing in it for me. And that's what matters. That's what guides me. Dionysus, the God of pleasure. And these other gods, not just Artemis, not just Aphrodite, Athena and Dionysus, uh, these many, many other gods, they're all around us all the time, just as they were for Israel when these commandments were given. Because human beings can worship just about anything. We can worship our intellect. We can worship work. 
We can worship our appearance. We can worship security. We can worship our political ideology. We can worship a relationship. We can worship religion. We can make a God out of church going. We can make a God out of Christian meetings. We can put our trust in these things to save us. Having a good reputation in the community. Having decency. Being physically strong. John Calvin said the human heart is an idle factory. Just a conveyor belt churning out one idol after another after another. And so many of these things, as we've said, are not bad in and of themselves. These, so many of these things, they are good things. They are good gifts that God has made and given to us. But we take these good things and we put them in the wrong place, the first place that is God's place. We turn reality upside down and we worship and serve created things rather than the glorious creator. And we're all guilty of this, and we all need to search our hearts and ask ourselves, could this be me? Am I guilty at this time in my life of having other gods before the true God? What holds the first place in your affections? What is it that fills your thoughts in those idle moments? Where does your mind go? What does it dwell on? Is it God, or is it something else, or someone else? Are we guilty of worshipping secretly other gods? Is there another God stealing your devotion to the true God? So there's the first question. Uh, what other gods do people worship? And then just as we close, why must we not worship other gods? Why must we not worship other gods? Athena and Artemis and Aphrodite and Dionysus and all the other things. Why must we not worship them? Two reasons. First of all, they don't satisfy. They don't satisfy. And we know this, don't we? If we're Christians, we know this. And yet we forget. They promise so much happiness to their worshippers, but they don't deliver. And if you're trusting, uh, uh, even as a Christian, if, 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 if functionally, if you're trusting in some created thing, something other than God for meaning and for hope and for happiness that only the true God can give you, eventually it's going to fail and it's going to break your heart. Again and again, there's something, isn't there, that you think is going to solve all your problems, and it doesn't deliver. The Bible says, whoever loves money never has money enough. That's true, not just for money, but for these other gods as well. You think that your life will be complete, you'll be happy, you'll be satisfied if you can just get that new outfit, if you can just get that grade A, if you can just get that relationship, a boyfriend or a girlfriend, a husband or a wife, if you could just lose a few pounds, then, then everything will be fine. Then you'll be happy. And then maybe you get that thing that you've set your heart on and you realize after a few days or a few weeks that you're still not happy and that that hasn't satisfied you. It hasn't solved all your problems 
because there's something deeper that can't be touched, that can't be satisfied by any quantity of things. It's the law of diminishing returns, isn't it, with pleasure. Bigger and bigger thrills, higher and higher doses that are needed just to get the same kind of temporary high that soon wears off. They don't satisfy. But far, far worse than that, they don't save. They don't save. These false gods that people worship can't save them from hell. And if we live for these things, if we serve these things, if this is what we make our lives about, what are we going to do on the day of judgment when we stand before the true and living God that we have slighted and ignored and disobeyed? False gods are not going to save us. Artemis is not going to save you on the day of judgment. Can you imagine someone trying to bargain with God on the day of judgment? To barter with him? To negotiate with him? Taking out his checkbook or his wallet and saying, Well, now, God, just you name your price. I think you'll find I have a lot of money. I was a very wealthy man in my time, and I will cover whatever costs my life may have incurred. How much, God, for a place in heaven? The Bible says wealth is worthless. In the day of wrath. Someone else on the day of judgment who was very, very, very clever in this life. Incredible brain power. Imagine them saying to God, you can't send me to hell, God. I got 10 A stars in my GCSEs. I got 4 A stars in my A levels. I have a first class degree from the best university in the world. I have a PhD. Do you not understand how many books I've read? False gods can't save. Imagine someone who has worshipped Aphrodite all her life, turning up on the day of judgment. Someone incredibly beautiful, fluttering her eyelids at God and trying to flirt her way into heaven. It's a ludicrous, ludicrous notion. False gods do not save. You remember the story of the rich man and Lazarus? Abraham says to the rich man in hell, in life you had your good things. You've had it. You've had all the good that you're ever going to have. In life you had your good things. You lived for your false gods, and they have given you everything that they are able to give you, and they can't save you now. And the irony is, of course, that the true God gives us everything that we could possibly ever want or need. He satisfies, and He saves Jesus said, I have come that they may have life and life to the full. That's what the true God gives us. Abundant pleasure, infinite joy, true, deep, eternal, abiding joy. The joy of knowing that our sins are forgiven. The pure happiness of life in heaven. 
being at peace with God, the excitement of hearing him speak to us in his word and minister to us by his Holy Spirit and seeing how he works all things together for our good and brings us at last to be with him in a new universe forever and forever and forever. Blessing and life and joy and peace that will never end. And so God says to each one of us today, you shall have no other gods before me. Amen. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word to us this morning. We thank you for how clear and direct and uncompromising it is. You shall have no other gods before me. And we pray, Lord God, that you will help us to search our hearts, uh, to identify any idols that we have there, any false gods that we are putting in the place that belongs to you alone. Help us to be alert to this temptation, uh, surrounded as we are in this world by so many false gods. And we pray, Lord God, that you would help us to trust in you alone to look to you for meaning and purpose and salvation and guidance and direction. We thank you that you are the true God and that you do delight in your people as they trust in you and worship you through Christ. And now may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.